I think most people are real familiar with hamburger. <laughs> you know, like it's the go-to. They're like, oh, I can do a lot of stuff with that. But I think that when, um, when it kind of comes down to like even a roast or, you know, like a nicer steak or something, I think people get a little um, nervous. I'm like, gosh, you know, it's a little bit more expensive. So at, what if I mess it up? Hey, hey, I'm Shay, and I'm your host for the Casual Cattle Conversations podcast, the beef producer's place to explore new ideas and management practices to improve their lifestyle and operation. Now, before we dive into today's episode, I want to let you know that I am now open for speaking gigs. So if you want me to lead a workshop, be on a panel, or deliver a keynote at your next event, you can connect with me on my website, casualcattleconversations.com, and just use the contact box and I'll get back to you. So with that, let's dive right in to today's episode. Hey folks, I want to take a quick second to talk about a company that's doing some pretty cool things because we all know as cattle producers that funding and finances can be a little stressful, but Harvest Returns makes things simpler. Cattle ranching is hard work, but finding funding to start or grow your operation doesn't have to be. While traditional bank loans still have a place in finance, some ranchers have transitioned to an alternative form of funding through passive investors. Harvest Returns has raised over $12 million for multiple cattle ranchers across across the United States. Harvest Returns works with each ranch individually to help develop flexible terms that best suit the business's plan and cash flows. The company's pool of nearly 13,000 investors can help you expand your herd, fund improvements to your ranch, or help you scale to access new channels. Harvest Returns offers both debt or equity options and works within your existing operating model. To learn more about the capital raise process with Harvest Returns, visit harvestreturns.com ccc, and I'll put that link in the show notes. Well, good afternoon, Amy. It is so nice to like have you on the show and on the podcast after a couple phone calls and having Hannah introduce you. So, or introduce us, I guess. So Hannah is on the podcast episode before yours talking about her direct to consumer beef business. So it's a lot of fun that we get to have you on here as a consumer sharing your story and why you like beef and feeding that to your family. So thank you for being on the show today. Thank you for having me. So to start off, um, those avid listeners who listen every week, they know that we're in the beef cycle series and you're kind of going to round out that series and share the consumer perspective. But I want to talk a little bit about, you know, I want to learn about your lifestyle and your career and a little bit about your story. So do you want kind of want to tell the audience out there what your career is, what you're doing today, what's family look like? I mean, what's, what's Amy's life? <laughs> sure. Um, so I currently stay at home and I have three young children. I have twins who are nine years old and I have a six and a half year old um, and I have a husband, but what I went to school for was dietetics, like nutritional science. So I've always kind of been interested in like food and nutrition and things like that. Um, and I love to cook. So thanks for having me on because I love to talk about food. Uh, but I went to, when I went, got done with school, I ended up in sales. So I kind of did pharmaceutical sales. And then I ended up, I worked for over 10 years for Colgate, Colgate Palmolive, which was like, and I sold toothpaste. So I covered the national, I covered a national territory and um, I just kind of traveled the United States. And then when I had my kids, <laughs> 
we, both my husband and I travel and, um, we just kind of decided that I would stay home at the time I lived in Colorado. And then our fa my family was all here. My husband was a military child, so his family's everywhere, but, um, we moved back to Nebraska and that's kind of what we've been doing. So I still stay at home. Um, my last one went to kindergarten this year. And so it's kind of been a, you know, a free year. <laughs> <laughs> well, good for you to kind of stop and breathe. Yeah. So what does your, so you're in Nebraska and you're not active necessarily in agriculture today, but do you have an ag background? Like what is your knowledge level of production agriculture as it comes, when it relates to raising livestock, where we get those animal proteins? Mm -hmm. So when I grew up, Believe it or not, I, I never imagined I would live two miles from where I grew up. I live um, like west of Bennington. And when I grew up in Bennington, it was a small community. My dad did construction, but we also raised livestock um, on our small acreage at that time. So we always raised um, hogs. And so my dad always had hogs. And then he would get a couple of, he would get a couple of bucket calves. And then, you know, we kind of feed them out and then they become our dinner. Like, you know, so it's kind of how it works when, you know, as a farm kid in Nebraska. And um, so I was, you know, when we were little, like we also used to help like do all the chores, like we'd help grind feed. Um, he also raised some corn and soybeans and some Milo, like when we were little, but um, so I kind of grew up in that kind of lifestyle. Um, kind of when we were talking earlier, when I was little, I legit did not know that meat came from the grocery store. I thought you went out and just picked it with your white butcher paper wrapping the red stamp and you picked what cut you wanted to eat that week. So um, I guess I've always kind of, you know, we've always used food from a local producer, whether it was us or my dad would trade meat. Like if we had hogs, he'd trade beef with a future farmer or like a neighbor farmer. Well, that's awesome to hear. So why do you continue to eat beef and feed it for your family? Like, why is that a continued protein choice that you like to go to? So having, I, I feel like, because I love to cook, um, but I feel that like, especially this day and age, so much food is prepackaged or has so many preservatives in it. And it's just, um, convenience driven people drive through you know whatever fast food it might be on a regular basis for their family and um so for me I just felt like it wasn't how I wanted to raise my kids like I enjoy cooking so and my mom always made dinner every night for us like we never went out to eat I mean it was a special occasion and so I choose to still choose the highest quality of food I can for my kids, because I think it's so important not to have all that extra filler and preservatives and things like that. I mean, do we really know what's in it? And then what are the long-term effects, you know, um, health-wise we're seeing not only like obesity, but we're seeing a lot of changes in little girls' bodies, like much earlier than we did before. And so I think it's, for me, it's important to buy like organic or as close to natural as you can. Well, I appreciate you being honest and, you know, sharing your concerns as someone, you know, feeding their families. So you've mentioned you love to cook. So first of all, what is your favorite beef dish or meal to cook? So my favorite, 
I would say what I cook the most is roast. Like my family, I will make roast, I'll make roast beef sandwiches. I'll make, you know, traditional roast with mashed potatoes and gravy, carrots, cream peas, everything like that. Um, I'll also make like Italian beef, all those kind of things. Hannah always jokes to me. She's like, how are you eating all these roasts? I literally just called her and ordered like 18 more. She goes, how are you eating all these? I'm like, I make it at least one time a week. And it's great for sandwiches for my kids for their lunch and things like that. If you asked my kids, they would definitely say they want a filet mignon every night and they're nine. <laughs> so I said, that's not in the budget, but, um, you know, I don't know. I, I just use, I mean, I'll just cook anything that I get and, you know, just any kind of beef, I guess. Is there a specific reason roast is your go-to? Is it because it's versatile? Is it easy? Is it like, why do you think you can like continuously use roast? I think it's consistently good. Um, I can throw it in the crock pot. It's pretty busy at our house and um, my kids play a lot of sports. And so pretty much every day of the week, we have some kind of either, whether it's dance or basketball or volleyball or art camp or something like that. We have something to do every night. So it's easy for me to be able to just the night before take it out, defrost it, and then the next morning throw it in the crock pot and have it ready. So whenever somebody's ready to eat dinner, I have I can give them a nutritious meal. Absolutely. So, I yeah. like roast too. I mean yeah. cooking for one's a little different with the roast, but I love it roast is. when my mom makes roast or grandma, whatever it may be. I love roast, especially yeah. if there's leftovers and then I can do so many different things with them. Yes. Yes. And I'm a big comp I will say I'm a big component of that. Um during COVID basically, you know, nobody could eat out anymore. Right. And so I have a lot of mom friends who literally can't cook anything. And so they were like, what do I, what do I do? How do I cook? And I'm just like, you guys, let me give you like five basic things to make. Um, you know, I'm also a big component of, for example, like if I'm making, taking out ground beef and I'm making taco meat, I'll make three pounds of it. And I'll we'll have tacos one night. I'll throw it on taco salads the next day for lunch. And then I'll use the last part of it and make enchiladas. Mm -hmm. So I'm a big component of like work smarter, not harder because, you know, and just kind of like prep out the meals for the week. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. So I know you and I have talked about your Facebook groups and you brought up yep. some of your other friends who are moms who don't know how to cook necessarily. So tell mm -hmm. me about that Facebook group you started, what's it called? What goes on inside there? Yeah. So during COVID, like I said, I had a lot of friends who I think they can boil water, but like they can't do much else besides like spaghetti or macaroni and cheese. So I was just like, okay, I can't come over and help you because we were in lockdown. So I started this group called what's for dinner in Nebraska. And it simply just started out of fun. I mean, you know, everybody was looking for some entertainment during those days. And so if you go back and look at the really early days, literally, I was like, this is how you put a roast in the crock pot. Like, this is how I season it. Or this is how I make tacos and I make my own seasoning using organic, um, or, you know, like spices. And so mm -hmm. it kind of had, and then other moms, I really like to encourage other moms, like go on there post different recipes because I think what happens is people get in a rut. They only make like, you know, the same 10 to 12 meals on a regular basis. Um, 
Hannah and I were actually talking about this one day when I got, after I got my meat and I got something called the Denver steak. And I was like, what is this? Like, I've never, you know, like you've never gone to your local butcher or Hy-Vee or something and said, oh, great. I'll have a Denver steak. So I just kind of looked at it and I defrosted it and I was like, oh, it kind of looks like a flat iron steak or something like that. And so I kind of looked it up and did a little research, but I kind of did a little segment on that. And I'm just like, I'll make it, you know, I'm, I bought it. Let's make it all. And so um, it was delicious by the way. And so, but what happened was, I think that that was the purpose of the group is simply because a lot of people, again, they don't cook a lot anymore. So they're just like, gosh, if I order a half a beef or something like, I'm only going to know how to make half of the things that come with it. And then am I going to use it all? And is it going to be wasteful? And so I really wanted to, um, on a broader level, like introduce people like, Hey, you know, like it's just food, like it's not your last meal. So feel free to just experiment with it and have some fun. So that's kind of what it became. And now there's probably, I haven't looked recently, but there's probably like 25, 2,700 members. And we have people joining all the time. And it's fun because people try different stuff. We have people of all different nationalities on it. So it's really fun to see like, what they'll cook. And we're like, where do you get these ingredients? And I mean, it's, it's a fun group. It sounds like a lot of fun. So what do some of your other friends who are moms think about beef as a protein source? Is it something they like to include? Do you kind of know their thoughts on that? Because you came from an agriculture background, so you already have that. But I sometimes wonder about people who don't come from that ag background, what their perception of beef is. Um, I would say like, I think most people are real familiar with hamburger, <laughs> you know, like it's the go-to they're like, Oh, I can do a lot of stuff with that. But I think that when, um, when it kind of comes down to like even a roast or, you know, like a nicer steak or something, I think people get a little, um, nervous. I'm like, gosh, you know, it's a little bit more expensive. So at, what if I mess it up or, you know, they're kind of, I think, in my personal perception, I think that's the biggest fear. Like, oh my gosh, like I don't want to buy a beef tenderloin for Christmas because what if I mess it up and, um, you know, don't know how to prepare it. It's a lot of money. So I guess that's kind of what I say, but I always really try to encourage them and be like, just try it. You know, like it's not as hard as you think it's going to be. Um, I mean, it's our preferred for my personal family. It's our preferred protein source. Well, I love to hear that. So I know you talked about, you know, how you like to feed your family, you know, stuff that's whole foods, you know, more natural um, without the preservatives is kind of the gist I was getting when you were talking okay. earlier. What else kind of drives your decisions as you're looking at what meals to incorporate for your family? So my husband, um, he lost a significant amount of weight. So he was, um, a big guy when we met and about, this is the sixth year of keeping it off. He lost about 140 pounds. And wow. so, and so that was when he was doing it, he is very, um, goal orientated. So he will set a goal and he does not waver. I mean, he has not had a, a piece of bread, a piece of pasta, like ice cream, nothing like that in all these years. And so he is very, very dedicated to clean eating. 
Um, which kind of, you know, he always says he's like, it's more work for you because he doesn't cook at all. So um, I had to really make sure to be like, okay, we're going to cut back on, you know, anything extra. Like that's, you know, any of like, I have to come up with like good seasoning to make mm-hmm. it still taste good, but not the added fat and calories. And so um, a couple of years after that, my daughter became, she was having a lot of issues with her stomach and um, her digestion, stuff like that. And so we found out that she um, has to be dairy free. And so I have a lot of different diets going on in my house. But um, so not only then was I like, oh, I need to pit, I need to feed low carb and, um, you know, like low fat, but I also need, I can't use any, you know, dairy as a protein source. And so I'm just like, what am I going to do? So that's kind of when I had to start getting creative, um, to really start being like, how am I going to do this? You know, because it's a lot of different things all at once and it's easy to throw together a sandwich, but my husband can never have a sandwich unless I use iceberg lettuce is the bun. Mm -hmm. So I think that's kind of one of the things, um, I always have a garden every year. So, um, you know, I'm pretty good about doing that. My neighbor lady has a garden. So like whatever we get from our garden, I either freeze or can what we don't use or, you know, make sure to use it up. And so I try to just, I mean, again, I try to get my kids to be excited about eating fresh stuff rather than just opening a package for, you know, the easy way out. So, and it takes a lot of prep work. I would say that too. Usually I'll go and, um, on like a weekend, just be like, okay, I might grill up a bunch of stuff or prepare a bunch of proteins and all my vegetables. So I can easily grab stuff for lunches during the week. Well, good for you. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of great food that comes from grocery stores and they're very much a necessity, but nothing beats vegetables out of the garden, homegrown proteins. Like there's just something about it. That's hard to beat. <laughs> yep. There is. Yep. So I'm curious about, you said you went to school for dietetics. Mm-hmm. So, you know, how did the knowledge you've learned there as far as what is like a healthy diet? What are good protein sources? Is that information you still apply today? Or would you say you've picked up new information on it that you trust differently? I'm just curious about what you learned in that background and your schooling compared to what you're living out today. I think that's a great question. Um, I was probably like most college kids. I had a lot of fun in college and I probably didn't take it as serious as I should have. Um, but what happened was I started out in nursing school and then it got to like my clinicals and stuff. And I was just like, Whoa, I cannot be a nurse. Like I can't, I, I just, I couldn't do it. You know, I was just like, I'm like, I want to be passing out. Like it's just not for me. So I kind of switched to dietetics because of, I always like to cook. Um, and I like food. And so I just kind of switched over that, but it probably wasn't a conscious choice to pick that degree. It was just the next logical degree that most of my credits transferred over. I mean, which which isn't a great (laughs) answer, but I was like, I don't, I'm almost done. I don't want to start over. And so, um, I don't know, like I wish in hindsight, so any of you young people listening, um, I wish I would have paid more attention and 
been more diligent about it back then. Um, and just like, you know, so I think a lot of things have changed too. I mean, I was in college in the early nineties and I think a lot of ways that we look at food and basically even what some of the food was is a lot different than it is now. So, and probably even before I had kids, I wasn't as concerned where the sourcing for my food came. I didn't care if I bought local. Um, now as a mom, um, it's really important to me. I like to, I live in a small community that's getting bigger every day, but it's like, I really like to support local on all levels. Like I buy my eggs from a local person. I, um, you know, get my beef from Hannah. I, you know, just make sure like we, if we get chickens, like my dad has a neighbor who we, he provides our chickens. Like I really try to do everything I can on a local level. That is amazing. If you have the capacity, capacity to do that. I know not everyone does, but I do like to hear stories of people supporting local. I live in a small community as well, and it's, mm -hmm. we need to. Yeah. So. And I think that, um, it's probably not out there as much as like people are advertising, but I think if you really dig down deep, you can find those people. Like they're kind of like the hidden gems. I mean, they're probably, you know, they're pretty, they're usually like families that are, they're pretty humble. Like they're not like, hello, buy my stuff. You know, mm -hmm. um, even like Hannah is not like that. I'm like, you <laughs> should tell people about yourself more. But I think that um, it's harder to, brag about yourself as a business owner than it is for to have someone advocate for you. It It is a challenge and word of mouth goes a long way. Mm -hmm. Like um, as a business owner, like someone else, like another cattle producer telling another cattle mm -hmm. producer about this podcast is going to go farther than someone seeing one of my posts or ads or something yeah. like that, because there's just an added trust factor when someone else you relate to finds a business valuable. Right. Right. Would you say like your friends also try to source local or are they just getting beef from the grocery store? Like if you know that information, I guess. So I would say it's a mix. I think it's a mix. Um, I think that I have a lot of moms who are really, um, health conscious that, you know, are really like, it's important for me to support local. Um, I have a lot of moms who are real patriots, you know, they love America mm -hmm. and they're all about, you know, they just love, um, supporting local and supporting small businesses. Um, you know, many of my parent or my parent friends, I guess that we hang out with, they are small business owners themselves. So whether they, have the opportunity to bring in other local businesses, they do that. And so I think that it, it is important. Luckily where we live, um, there is like a small butcher um, like right in our town. And I know a lot of people go to them over like a, you know, like a Costco or like even like a Hy-Vee grocery store or something like that, because it is much fresher. Um, true story. Last weekend we had my, it was spring break and all of our kids, my nieces and nephews, they all love fillets. And so I was pulling out steaks out of our freezer and I'm like, Oh, I'm a little short for the kids. So my sister's like, I'll just go to Costco and get the kids steaks. They'll never know, you know? So mm -hmm. we went and got some there and, um, 
I cooked them all up and I cooked them all. They like a medium, medium rare, our kids. And so I cooked them all up and a couple of the kids are like, Ooh, what's wrong with our steaks? They're like, yours look way better. So I was laughing because I was like, oh, they're all the same. They're fine. And my husband and I were laughing. So I'm like, even when you take them out of the package and you probably know this as a beef producer, but even as you take them out of the package, the color of the meat is completely different. Like you can see um, how much darker and how much more iron content is in, you know, farm raised beef versus like something you're going to get at the grocery store. And you have no idea how long that's been sitting there before it was packaged. So it's very interesting if I encourage people to do their own taste tests at home. Yeah. I, I mean, I haven't bought a lot of beef out of the grocery store. And I personally, I support people buying beef wherever they can find it because yeah. beef from the yeah. grocery store, that's still healthy. But, you know, yeah. I say if you have the capacity to buy local and support a real community, by all means, go for it. But yeah. there is there is a little bit of a difference. I never bought steaks when I was in college, but so yeah. I went to school in Nebraska, as we talked about earlier. Yeah. So that was nine hours from my family's ranch. So I could get beef back, but when I ran out, I ran out. I just couldn't right. run home and get some. And I do remember buying hamburger one time from the store and it was about the cheapest hamburger I could find. And it was, yep. it's, it was still beef. It still had the protein, but that was, it was fattier than what my parents mm -hmm. raised. And so it was just, and what I was used to coming off my 4-H steers. So it was an interesting experience, but mm -hmm. I mean, beef is all healthy, but yeah, it is, you, there are differences and it is, I appreciate you sharing how your kids could tell the difference because they can tell the difference. I mean, you said nine and six. Yeah. And my niece is 12 and my nephew is 10. And then I might, yeah, I have two nine-year-olds. So we had a 12 year old, a 10 year old, two nine-year-olds and a six-year-old that all eaten it. But another true story is my 12 year old niece is, she's very picky. And um, so is my sister. They're very, and usually when they eat, they have some kind of a reject pile. And we're like, what, how didn't that make the cut? And so after, soon after I, we ordered our first um, order of meat from Hannah, um, I made burgers one day and she ate the whole burger. And my sister's like, there's no reject pile. She goes, no, there's none. And then I made tacos the other night that they came mm -hmm. over because they came over quite a quite a bit. And then again, there's no reject pile. And then she said to her mom, she goes, mom, you should buy whatever kind of meat Amy has, because I don't even, there's no fatty pieces that I have to chew out. She's like, there's literally no reject pile. So it was so funny because I'm like, even as a kid, like they notice the difference. That, that is really interesting <laughs> to hear. And mm -hmm. yeah, it does depend on the type it of does. kind of meat and the how quality. it's cooked and the quality of that meat too. And I think, mm -hmm. you know, the beef industry has done a lot of work on trying to improve the quality, but there's always a place to go forward too. So I, Amy, that kind of wraps up what I really wanted to talk about today. I really enjoyed you being open and honest mm -hmm. about your experiences as a consumer and with your family and why you buy beef. Is there, do you have any last thoughts, whether that's for cattle producers or anyone else who might be listening before we wrap up today? I guess I, guess I would just really say to um, all the non-cattle producers out there and the people who are just like, 
gosh, should I buy a side of beef or, you know, should I consider splitting it with someone? Because I don't know if it's for our family. I would highly suggest that just get a deep freeze and do it. I think that um, not only the convenience of having it at home, like, um, you know, you can just be like, you can meal plan. Um, it's, I think it's definitely healthier for your family. And then also you'll find yourself not eating out as much. It's, it seems like a lot of money at, up front when you're like, oh my gosh, like I have to pay for all of it up front. But when you have it at home, you don't even feel the necessity to have to, when you pre-plan, you don't feel the necessity to have to go out to dinner. And in the end, it's much healthier for both you and your family. So I guess that's what I would encourage people to try to do if you're on the fence. Well, thank you very much for, thank you very much for sharing that, Amy. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me today. And that's a wrap on that one, folks. Thank you for tuning in today and joining in on the conversation. Be sure to take this a step further and take the advice you learned and implement it on your operation. If you want to have a conversation about it, head over to my social media and send me a DM by following at Cattle Convos and connecting with me there. Have a great day.